0: Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. Florida's economy is booming by most economic metrics. The unemployment rate is near a record low. Over 125 million tourists will visit the state this year, and property values are still growing, although the pace has slowed somewhat. Still, the fastest-growing jobs over the past year remain in the relatively low-paying industries like casinos, amusement parks, and retail jobs. Those were added at a faster pace than the overall market. Diversifying Florida's job market and raising the wages... Just a couple of the topics during a conversation about the economy at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit last week. You'll hear that discussion on today's program. Later, we'll have another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. So in between me looking for more hours, better jobs, I fell a month behind in my rent. You'll hear Nicole Wester's story. She wound up at a homeless shelter for several months, struggling to find steady work and a bigger paycheck. If you'd like to share your story, email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. That's sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. The Florida Priority Summit called together local and regional leaders and residents last week to tackle some of the most pressing challenges like the environment, education, transportation, and the economy on the economy. I spoke with Melissa Medina, president of Emerge Americas, the technology conference, visiting fellow at FIU Miami Urban Future Initiative, Richard Florida, and Wells Fargo senior economist Mark Vittner. I began our conversation about the economy in Florida with a question to those gathered at the Shalala Student Center at the University of Miami. Show of hands real quick. Has this year been better for your personal economy than last year? Show of hands. I don't see a whole lot. I see a few. I see just a few. Mark Vittner, help explain this for us. Why is that the case here? I'm
1: not quite sure.
0: It, uh, the
1: economy in South Florida is pretty good. I, I, um, mm-hmm. Can I ask another question? Of another group? <laughs> Yeah. How many of you are concerned about a recession in the next year?
0: A lot more hands up. Oh, a lot more hands, yeah. It's
1: been a lot of recession talk. Yeah. Oh, and, and that's generally the first question I ask when I go out and speak to groups. And that's about the same answer I get all over the place. Even though you look at the economic data, it looks really it looks really solid.
0: Job growth is solid, uh, wages are starting to grow again, inflation is very low, interest rates are, are extremely low.
1: What's changed in the economy is that that for the longest time, most of the growth was highly concentrated in a handful of industries and a handful of cities yeah. across the country. About 70% of the growth that occurred since the last recession occurred in the top 20 metropolitan areas. Yep. Of which
0: we're sitting in one of those, 20.
1: We're sitting in one of those. And, and, and those cities were generally either anchored to the global economy, like South Florida is, or were anchored to the energy sector, like Houston is, yep. or were anchored to the tech sector. And if you weren't in one of those three areas, you didn't see a whole lot of growth.
0: So, Melissa, this brings us to you, that tech sector piece where you've been working diligently for yes. a good number of years to try to stoke that local piece of the economy. Miami has been one of those beneficiaries of the broader economic expansion, but not necessarily because of technology, which has been growing like gangbusters. But give us the state of the technology economy here in late 2019 and what that short-term outlook looks like.
2: I am very optimistic about the tech, innovative, and entrepreneurial ecosystem and sector, especially uh, here in South Florida. Do I think that we still need uh, to make a lot of strides in order to create a thriving tech hub? Absolutely, I'm in it, and I would be the first one to tell you that. But I could tell you um, that we—and I don't—I don't mean we only at Emerge Americas, but we as a community um, have really stepped up in the last six to seven years, and are—I mean, if you look at the Kaufman Index and startup activity is is through the roof. We also at Emerge uh, began tracking venture activity in the state of Florida just last year in 2018, and now we've just released our second edition for the first six months of 2019, and really excited to report that in the first six months of 2019, we have received $1.4 billion in venture activity. So the trends are going up, and that, to give you an idea, that doubles the entire year of 2018. Um, Is there, there's still gaps, Um, I think there's, investment gaps between startups and scale-ups and we yep, can kind of yep. go into that but i'm very optimistic i think that south florida and florida in general we have all the ingredients to create a thriving technology sector
0: how does this compare to 20 years ago uh, in uh, 1998 1999 there was a nascent technology industry here which could not get escape velocity to the shallow recession mm-hmm. of 2000 and 2001 of the dot-com burst. Uh, as this has grown from the Great Recession, is there escape velocity to withstand any softness? that Yeah, I here? think
2: uh, I think the foundation is here. I'm not worried about it going backwards. I am worried about us not really seizing this opportunity.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Richard, Florida, how about from your perspective? As you look at things, how do they look? Well, I mean, I I think Florida as a state is in not just because it has my na- I have its name, but. Uh, <laughs> is in a very strong position. Uh, uh, first of all, we, we created a simple metric we called the creative class uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, I was living in Pittsburgh at the time and c- teaching at Carnegie Mellon, trying to understand why places like Pittsburgh weren't engaging the transition to more tech-driven economies. Uh, that's not just educated people. A lot of people look at high levels of education. We look at people who do work in tech, and in innovation, in research, in arts and culture. Florida has two million of those people. That's an enormous creative class. Um, I think if you look at what's happening in the tech field, it benefits a lot from the positioning in in Latin America as the Emerge Conference and the Emerge Activities realize. But it's not just South Florida. Mm -hmm. And South Florida is a big economy. If you take the mega region here, which reaches up to Orlando, um, you're talking about 15 million people and $750 billion Mm -hmm. in economic output. That's an economy, South Florida economy is bigger than the Netherlands. So that's big. But if you look at the state, I think that's where things get really interesting and that's the topic. One of the things I've been working on uh, with folks at Google and at Sidewalk Labs and, and others is a field we called urban tech. Urban tech is a new field of venture capital, different than biotech, different than software, different than AI. It is in fact bigger when you look at smart city work, sensor technology, mobility like Uber and Lyft, co-living like Airbnb, co-working like we work, and some of those companies have had issues. When you put it all together, you're talking about a bigger, about 20% of all venture capital investment. When you bring it back to Florida, we're very big in real estate, hospitality, and tourism. These set of technologies promise to disrupt that. Then you take what's going on in Orlando mm-hmm. around Disney, and you have three or four poles of technological activity here. So we're going through this big Space
0: disruption. Space coast. Space yeah.
3: coast. We're going through this big disruption from an older real estate, hospitality, retirement economy to a really interesting new economy built on technology and other stuff.
0: Is it really? Mark, are we really disrupting the economy mm-hmm. here? A hundred Million visitors plus are expected to come here.
2: I think we want to disrupt. That. <laughs> right, right. I think that we need to, and I think uh, disclaimer. I was part of the uh, economy influencers group. Kind of discussed this all day with an amazing group of ladies, and I think we all had the discussion that there needs to be our government needs to look at a long-term strategy in order to pivot a bit from just focusing on tourism and agriculture. And real estate there needs these conversations need to happen looking forward into our you know future state of our economy
1: well the, the question is are you know are we a disruptor are are we just being disrupted i mean do we have more than our share of of technology driven growth given that because we're going to get a lot just because we're a big state yeah, yeah, yeah. and and i think increasingly we're, we're seeing that that we are becoming a leader in a number of fields and it's it's easiest and most, I think it has the most momentum behind you when you go with areas of strength. So areas of, of technology that are tied to areas of Florida that are already large are likely to do better because that's where your source of funding is likely to come from. So that's healthcare, it's okay. financial services, it's everything related to retirees, and it's international trade, and really everything related to Latin America when you're when you're in South Florida. And, and that's what, what I see happening now, and, and it's, it's interesting. A place like Orlando, their growth and it's 130 million tourists this year. Their growth is actually occurring outside of the tourism sector. Yep. It's more in in tech, aerospace, and and um, and and also a little bit in life sciences. Not, the life sciences hasn't 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 taken off as rapidly as they'd like, mm-hmm. but it's a lot bigger than it was 20 years ago. You
2: know, we are a state, really, and especially Miami. Were built by immigrants. Immigrants have this innate entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, some people might think, "Oh, that's a silly idea." But I think it, it would be incredible for there to be an, an office of entrepreneurship that Colorado. reports directly to the governor. Mm-hmm. And why not? I mean, you—if you're able to nurture that from a young age—startups yeah. yeah. provide an incredible amount of economic impact. They provide a lot of jobs in different sectors, um, and I think that we need to. You know all of our government officials need to be paying more attention to that
3: yes transitioning a a hospitality and tourism and real estate driven economy to a tech economy is hard but as a person who lived in pittsburgh for 20 years whose wife is from detroit try transitioning an old industrial economy (laughs) that's a lot lot harder because the constraints on you if you're not growing if you're declining are a lot different than when you're growing we are developing technologies, a lot of them related to what we're good at. We're good at real estate and architecture and construction. We can be a leader in urban tech. We're good at healthcare and life sciences. We can be but the one I want to point out when you said Orlando, what did people talk about? The company that's on the leading edge of technology. The most innovative company in America it wasn't Google, it wasn't Apple? Disney. Disney. And the people in that lab said it's not just about software. Try building those new ride technologies. Try dealing with the civil engineering and city building technology. So we have real technology leaders in our state, sometimes that we don't think of that way.
0: That was FIU's Richard Florida, along with Emerge America's President Melissa Medina and Wells Fargo economist Mark Vittner speaking with me at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit. Still to come, the difficulty in raising the low average pay in Florida.
1: That's tough. It's always going to be tough in Florida because tourism, and retirees are always going to be more important to our state than they are to the nation as a whole. And they both have a lot of relatively low-wage, part-time jobs.
0: Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Today on the program, a conversation on the economy held live last week at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit. Coming up later, another story about money and the price of life in South Florida. Money is what makes the divide, whether you can or you you can't. Nicole Wester came to Miami from New York in 2014, in part because of her health. She's had a tough time finding steady work and keeping an apartment, her story coming up. The Florida Priority Summit aims to bring together engaged community members to tackle and come up with potential solutions to some of the state's biggest challenges. When it comes to Florida's economy, a big challenge is addressing the average pay that is below the national level. The economics panel was made up of President of Technology Conference Emerge America's Melissa Medina, Richard Florida with the FIU Miami Urban Future Initiative, and Wells Fargo senior economist Mark Vettner.
1: Florida's challenged in a number of ways there. We have 23 metropolitan areas. And only a handful of them are integrated with one another. In South Florida, really, uh, up until this expansion, up until this past decade, Broward and Dade and Palm Beach counties were not integrated to a great degree. And it was really driven by an affordability migration. Mm-hmm. Most of the major roads go east-west, which is why we have such terrible traffic all mm-hmm. the time. You only have a few arteries going north-south. Well, that's true on the west coast, too. And so... Bradenton and Sarasota, which have an airport right there on the county line, they're not really integrated very well at all. I mean, they're not, so so I I think there's some opportunities. I think that South Florida and Central Florida with, with Orlando and the Space Coast, those are really tied in together. Mm-hmm. Another natural might be Jacksonville and Gainesville, which which playing off the, the healthcare with the University of Florida, um, there's actually a lot of tech going on in, in Gainesville proper too. Mm-hmm. Um, but in order to get the critical mass there, they have to link up with somebody, and it may be, it may be Jacksonville there, and and I would say Tampa and St. Pete, even though they're the same metropolitan area, they weren't always tied together. <laughs> they, their demographics, Hillsborough County was one of the youngest counties in in, in, in the state, and Pinellas was one of the oldest.
0: But, yeah. but they've kind of merged because Pinellas has gotten younger and Hillsborough has yeah. gotten older. Yeah. So we're talking about this diversification. Uh, many different purposes there. One of them, of course, is to live the standard of living and the average wage in this hospitality, service-driven economy that we've built.
1: That's tough. It's always going to be tough in Florida because tourism and retirees are always going to be more important to our state than they are to the nation as a whole. And they both have a lot of relatively low-wage, part-time jobs in them. And so, so when you look at averages, Florida's always going to come up looking as though, gosh, we have a disproportionately large share of jobs in those industries. But if you look at, at the growth outside of those industries, you see that, 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 that we are seeing a lot of growth in high-wage jobs. And Florida has the largest manufacturing workforce in the South, and I think the seventh or eighth largest in the nation. And you don't think about that. because you Say that look, again. We no, have the largest manufacturing workforce in the South. And I, I'd have to look again and see where we are in terms of the nation, but I believe it's number seven.
0: What are we making?
1: We, well, we make, a, we make a lot of aerospace products. We make, you know, naturally we still make a lot of food products, but that's down the, the list in terms of uh, dollar value. Mm-hmm. But um, a lot of medical, uh, medical devices. I mean, there's, we, we make an awful lot. Two-thirds of our manufacturing is in durable goods, which is the higher wage mm-hmm. stuff. We're making satellites now. Mm-hmm. We're gonna, Florida's going to change the world as we, uh, as, as we launch 5,000 satellites up into space in the next five years and double the number of people that are on the internet from three and a half billion people to seven billion people. Yeah. Yeah. And all that's happening in the Space Coast.
3: Yeah. The one thing we have to watch for, that Marcus said very eloquently, is that so much of our growth has been concentrated in the country and in the state in a handful of major metropolitan areas. The term I invented for this is winner-take-all urbanism. Mm-hmm. We, have a winner, we not only have a winner-take-all economy, we've had a winner-take-all city system. What that does is create something we know very well in this country is an urban-rural divide. And, and people in the rural hinterlands, in those farm communities say, what about me? So I think it's something that Florida has to really grapple with. We've seen what it's done to our country, the kind of cultural and political division we live with. The second thing, though, goes to those low-wage service, tourism, hospitality jobs. Our statistics say that well more than half of all jobs are in these low-wage, and they're done predominantly by women and uh, immigrants and ethnic Mm -hmm. and racial minorities. If I say the other challenge for the state, the first challenge, which Melissa said was entrepreneurship and startup, which is gonna drive the economy forward, we're not gonna grow if people in those jobs are condemned to low-wage, contingent, precarious work. And my dad told me a story. My dad was born in 1921 in Newark. He had a seventh grade education, son of immigrants. He said he took a job at 13 in an eyeglass factory in the Ironbound section of Newark, and it took nine people to make a family wage. He went off, and he fought in World War II, stormed the beaches at Normandy, came back and had the same job, the same job turned by magic into a good job. You could buy a house in the suburbs, put us through Catholic school and the state university. Uh, people can work to make those jobs better. There is a company called Quick Trip. They're headquartered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're kind of like a 7-Eleven convenience store. They pay every single worker a living wage. They promote from within, so they create a career path and the ceo of that company says he calls it a good job strategy he said it remarkably goes to their bottom line it helps them be more productive and profitable why they have low turnover and their workers become involved in better customer service better customer engagement better innovation so i think we need another statewide imperative on how do we make the bad jobs we have better jobs melissa
0: what role does the the nascent technology uh, industry that, that you've been operating in that mm-hmm. you are convinced is foundational now and can survive any kind of economic headwinds that may come up. What role is that playing in this? Um,
2: I think it plays a, a huge role. If we start fostering and, and sparking um, this tech and entrepreneurial ecosystem, you're going to see that these startup scale ups, even small and medium sized businesses, are going to be offering um, great jobs for um, our, our residents of, of our state.
0: You'll probably hear this a lot from entrepreneurs. I know I hear it a lot from entrepreneurs. The problem isn't the idea. The problem isn't even okay. the regulatory environment to get the company up and running. The problem, sales, revenue. We need help getting to market and finding those customers. Are you hearing that same kind of thing and, and what,
2: I, what- I am, but I'm also hearing from entrepreneurs that are not based in Florida that wanna move here One thing that I think the government could be looking at a little closer, and this is just from stories that I hear and and entrepreneurs that I'm around a lot, specifically also in Latin America, I travel the region often, is that there are great incentives for larger corporations to move to Florida, but I don't think that our state is offering enough incentives for the smaller companies to be able to set up shop here. There has to be a fundamental, mind shift um, with risk taking and the way that people see the tech and innovative sector I think we are a state um, that is that has traditionally invested in real estate. no problem with that I think that's you know that makes a lot of sense um, but there is so much capital in our state that I think it's also you know maybe educating a little more on diversifying portfolios on you know, maybe um, attributing some of their, some of this wealth um, invested into the tech and innovative sector, and I think that takes time.
3: Richard? Yeah, I think there's, if we're talking about the state uh, and Florida as a whole and the state government, I I think there's one other thing that we have to consider. Um, If you look at any great innovative and technology hub, they are anchored by a premier Technological Research Institute. That's MIT in Boston, that's Stanford in the Bay Area, Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh, and we go down the list. The way our state developed, our big state universities, are, I don't mean to say this because they're fantastic, they're in the wrong locations. If those universities were coupled with the University of Miami and FIU and Miami-Dade College and others, So we're spending a lot of our state research dollars in locations that will never be major metropolitan areas. So what do you do? You can't change that. But what's happening around the country, because I do this work, uh, you think about what Amazon, what did Amazon want when it moved to Northern Virginia? Uh, That Virginia Tech would create a major technology campus in and around Arlington. We somehow have to convince our state and local leaders that we can pool what we do here with our great universities and additional funds We have to build something comparable. That is one of the top two or three things the state needs to consider.
0: That's FIU's Richard Florida, along with Emerge America's President Melissa Medina and Wells Fargo economist Mark Vittner, speaking with me at last week's Miami Herald Florida Priority Summit. More to come, including housing, the job market, and the economy.
3: I think the problem in in Florida, and it's particularly in the Miami, greater Miami area, when it comes to housing, is not housing for tech workers. It's housing for poor people.
0: This is the Sunshine Economy. Thanks again for listening. I'm Tom Hudson. Today we're bringing you a discussion on the state's economy that was recorded live last week at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit. Later, we'll hear the story of money and the price of life from Nicole Wester. I consider myself the working poor. I do. Poverty comes in all forms. Her stories still to come. Housing affordability is an enormous challenge for the South Florida economy. Over the past decade, home prices have been driven by foreign buyers, buyers from high-tax states moving to the area, limited land to build new housing, and a growing population. I spoke about the intersection of the economy and housing affordability with Technology Conference Emerge America's President Melissa Medina, Richard Florida with the FIU Miami Urban Future Initiative, and Wells Fargo senior economist Mark Vittner. This was recorded last week at the University of Miami Shalala Student Center.
2: What I'm hearing from many of the entrepreneurs that that I come across is that you know it's it's not cheap by any means but when you compare it to the thriving tech hubs like Boston New York you know Silicon Valley we are much more affordable than those so if we're comparing to the tech hubs that are already thriving um, we're in a better place, but there still is, you know, a huge gap in right. affordable housing. Mark,
0: I, I do want to ask you from an economist's perspective uh, on housing particularly. And, and yeah. Melissa's right. Housing's always relative, right? It's, it's this versus that. It is. And, and compared to the Silicon Valleys and Silicon Alleys of the world, but compared to Jacksonville, yeah, compared yeah. to Lakeland, compared to Tampa...
1: Yeah, but but those are all different animals. And, and if you look, getting back to what I said about the, the top 16 cities, really the top 20 cities accounted for a little bit more than 70% of, of all the growth. Well, if you look at the, the 50 largest cities, 20 of them now have housing prices that are at least two to three times higher than average income because of that concentration okay. of growth, while the nation is 1.8. Mm. Now, in the south, the, the, the areas that still have affordable housing that are That are growing in that group are atlanta nashville charlotte raleigh and those and what you see if you look at linkedin data on the linkedin jobs report you see that there's a migration away from the established tech hubs to those to those cities because housing is still reasonably affordable but it's it's getting in in those markets it's getting tougher and tougher for people that live in those markets to find affordable so are
0: we risking richard that future growth because of the
3: constrained housing costs i think I think the problem in in Florida, and it's particularly in the Miami, greater Miami area, when it comes to housing, is not housing for tech workers. It's housing for poor people. I mean, it's the affordable. Thank you. Yes. I mean, the affordability problem here is because low-wage workers don't make enough to afford housing. Goes tech the workers income come here. And, yeah, the right. income tech workers come here and say, "I've got the right. deal of the century. I'm moving from San Francisco. I'm moving to Austin. I'm moving from New York City." Right. It's
2: relative to the conversation yeah. you're
3: having. So it's through. really it's housing for low-income people or working-class people that we've got to address, and that's what the housing people. Yeah, yeah, that's a housing yeah. problem. Median income at forty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. That's because yeah. our median income it. is low. It's too right. low. So we've got to boost those wages and make housing affordable. I, I think the problem facing this is state, that is it is it. Is it solving for the wage solving for the housing it's dresses. solving for the wage i mean it, it, look, both. both both but solving for the wage those wages have to come up and and we also have to solve for housing but it's it's a wage issue the bigger problem facing the state i still think is a talent problem i think we still don't have the talent base and maybe if we have the talent base it's in the wrong places it's in older state university towns and it's not, so I think it's, it's gotta be that we've gotta do, build up our talent base and build up an educational infrastructure and support the educational infrastructure that we have here so that we have the talent. If you look at those tech hubs, their higher education, bachelor's degree and above, creative class figures are one and a half to two times hours. So I think it's our fundamental problem as a state still remains a talent problem, not a cost problem.
1: Yeah, I, I was going to say that the, in, in terms of uh, housing affordability, one of the big problems that we have all over the country is that most of the creative jobs, the higher paying jobs are in the city and the suburbs are languishing. And if you look at property values, the property values for downtown office, downtown apartments, they've gone up. The property values for suburban office and suburban retail have been flat. So when you develop new homes in the suburbs today, home builders have to come up with more of the upfront cost of infrastructure, and they can't deliver an affordable product. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's a, a, another complicating factor in
0: delivering affordable housing that's, that's all, evident all over the country. When you're talking about the talent issue, there's human capital already in place in neighborhoods all across South Florida, yes. in Alapata, in Westchester, uh, in Kendall, right? There human capital is here, uh, uh, it is not necessarily part of the creative class per se. It is healthcare s- services, 100%. hospitality, and it's raising those incomes, solving for yes. those incomes. Yes. Solving for those people who are renters or owners who can't afford now the rising cost
3: of property taxes, the rising cost of insurance. Yeah, so we have to create weight, just like we did this for manufacturing workers 100 years ago. Uh, We took bad manufacturing jobs and made them good manufacturing jobs. We have to do the same things for service and hospitality workers. We've got to give them a path to upward mobility. If they don't see a path to upward mobility, they don't have a future, and their kids don't have a future. So it means higher minimum wages, but not just higher minimum wages. It means... Uh, an active effort, like we did with manufacturing, to support the best companies, to help them learn best practices, to develop their people, to make them more productive, not just a handout, but a hand up. Yeah, that's something that we, we need to operate on both ends. The high end, with the high end talent, the entrepreneurship and the startups, But the bottom of our economy that creates a holistic economy and create pathways for upward mobility for all those folks, too.
0: That was FIU's Richard Florida, along with Emerge America's President Melissa Medina and Wells Fargo economist Mark Vittner speaking with me last week at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit. Still to come, older entrepreneurs in Florida.
2: An entrepreneur is not a kid working out of his garage with a hoodie and his idea anymore.
0: We're back on the Sunshine Economy. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening. Later on in this program, another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. Last week, the Miami Herald held its second Florida Priority Summit, discussing some of the biggest areas important for Florida's future, like the economy. I spoke with three people from different backgrounds. The panel was made up of President of Technology Conference Emerge Americas, Melissa Medina, Richard Florida with the FIU Miami Urban Future Initiative, and Wells Fargo senior economist Mark Vittner. We took audience questions from the Miami Herald editorial page editor, Nancy Ankrum.
1: Panel delineates innovation migration from retirement migration. Can they address the growth of older entrepreneurs who blur the lines?
3: Uh, I'll yeah. start. I'll start. Sure. Um, the most recent research we have. And the best research we have says the myth of a young entrepreneur is a myth. We all focus on the Jeff Bezos, the Steve Jobs, the Bill Gates, and there. but actually, I forget the exact numbers, but a 60-year-old entrepreneur is two to three times more likely (laughs) to be successful than a young one. What that means is our retirees are a very good source of entrepreneurship.
2: Yeah, no, and and I was just going to say that we're seeing a lot more serial entrepreneurs that you would consider, you know, of retiree age, that are moving to Florida, and this is for me and and our ecosystem is music to our ears because those serial entrepreneurs they don't stop, <laughs> you know, they're going to build another idea here, they're going to build another company, and mm-hmm. so the the lines are blurred. And nowadays, I mean, I consider myself a mompreneur. There's so many, <laughs> you know, other you know uh, terms, and an entrepreneur is not you know, a kid working out of his garage with a hoodie and his idea anymore. Entrepreneurs are all of us in this room.
3: And realize a 60-year-old today is not a 60-year-old in my parents' generation. The 60-year-olds right. who are the, the likely movers here, who are retiring from raising their family, yep. up in the cold, and, or wherever, where they're coming here, are coming here with, a pa- with some money, with Mm -hmm. some savings from their house and a passion to reinvent themselves absolutely so a 60 year old here is coming here to do something new and different they plug into the whole ecosystem that we're building
1: we currently have tourism and hospitality as the primary industries in south florida someone writes we are now focusing on tech how can we attract and retain the likes of an amazon to move here
2: i was involved in that process and thoroughly enjoyed it and uh, it also opened my eyes to reality and that there are certain gaps in you know that that we need to fill and i think we we sort of touched upon them but i think transportation was a big issue um i know richard addressed the talent i'm actually pretty optimistic about the talent i mean i know fiu graduates an incredible amount of engineers and so um i think it's sort of the chicken or the egg we need more opportunities for this talent to stay here also um, so I think it's just a matter of time before an Amazon or a Google, they're all here. It's just they're here in a smaller capacity. It's just a matter of time before one of these headquarters. They're not coming right now because we're still, I think back to my earlier point, we're still in our foundation. We still, but then again, going back to being, my, my glass being half full, that's, that's where lies our opportunity to grow as an ecosystem and to build a very unique ecosystem to then attract, yeah, and mm-hmm. so I, I think the-
1: you want to you want to make sure that the firms that are here expand here too. I mean, Citrix mm-hmm. is a is a is a wildly successful mm-hmm. firm and and growing like crazy. You want to make sure that we capture more of that growth here, and and hold on to what what we have. But uh, the Amazon thing, I mean, in hindsight, it kind of looks, I mean, it
3: really looks like they had. D.C. written on it all the way, so it's kind of. Some say that as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, some of us predicted that from day one, but a couple things. And I I think, believe it or not, that what happened in the wake of Amazon and the brouhaha is probably the last time a major tech company will do a big relocation to an established Washington, San Francisco, New York. They're probably going to have their eyes on the Miamis of the world, so more is coming to us. But imagine a major urban innovation hub or hubs throughout this. State. Imagine one here where you had FIU and University of Miami and Miami-Dade and others with the best people focused on these new technologies in the urban center, you know, focused with, a, with what they're doing, the kind of thing they're doing in Detroit, the kind of thing they're doing in Cornell. That could be a game-changer. But that kind of thing where you're pushing state resources, university resources, tech ecosystem building, where you're really focusing on doing it in an urban center as a partnership, that could be a game changer, and, and as well as addressing some of the transportation and housing problems we've got to deal I'll with. I'll
2: just add by saying completely agree with you. I think we have all the ingredients. I think you know, UM has an incredible entrepreneurial program. I think all of these schools working together yep. would, would be um, phenomenal for, for this effort.
0: That was Emerge America's President Melissa Medina, FIU's Richard Florida, and Wells Fargo economist Mark Vittner speaking with me last week at the Miami Herald's Florida Priority Summit. Still to come, financial statements, a story of money and the price of life in South Florida. I consider myself the working poor. I do. It comes in all forms. Poverty comes in all forms. That story still to come.